0: Jesus is not a man. He's a boy. And it highlights the strangeness of God if we look at the people's reactions in the text. Uh, let's revisit it just for a second. If you look again at verse 47, it says, The people who don't know him, all, all who heard him and were amazed. I like, who is this kid? And then even the people who do know him and who love him, his parents, Mary and Joseph. They're astonished, verse 48. And then the section kind of caps with that line in verse 50. They did not understand. They didn't understand who this this boy was, what he was about. And maybe, maybe you in your own walk with God have encountered that a little bit. Where the way God has been to you or for you, the way you've experienced Him in your life has been a little strange, a little puzzling. Well, we're going to look at this text today. We're going to jump into it and see that it doesn't only tell us that (laughs) Jesus is kind of confusing, but it also shows us that we have great cause to trust in this boy become man Jesus. Jesus. So let's take a look. We mentioned already that this text talks about Jesus when he was a boy. And the text actually goes out of its way to tell us that Jesus was 12 years old. He's 12 years old. And it tells us that because that's that's a really important time for a Jewish boy. When a Jewish boy became 12 years old, they were entering into this age of kind of accountability and responsibility. It's kind of the last leg before their a man. And so in this year, fathers of Jewish young men, Jewish boys, it would be this intense year of training and of apprenticeship, right? So so Joseph is going around with Jesus and he's teaching him. He's teaching him the family business. Hey, Jesus, this this is what it means to be a carpenter. This is how. Let me show you. And here they are in Jerusalem for the the Feast of the Passover. And again, Joseph is walking around with Jesus, and he's teaching him. He's showing him not only uh, the family business, but the family values, what it means for him to be a Jew. He's walking around with Jesus, and he says, Jesus, look, look, there's the temple. There's a temple. Let me tell you about that place, this place that's so pivotal for us place of God's presence. And, and then they, they walk around and they see the lamb, the Passover lamb, and, and Joseph says, Jesus, let me tell you about this lamb. And let me tell you about the story behind the Passover, how we were slaves in Egypt. Oh my gosh, this is, this is a wild story, Jesus. I have to tell you about it. Because this is who we are. And this is who, who you are. And you've got to imagine Joseph is as he's teaching his son, he's probably thinking and dreaming a bit about what his son is going to grow up to be. Maybe he's even remembering when he was a boy, Jesus' age, and when his father was showing him and teaching him about what it meant to be a man, about what it meant to be a Jew. But Joseph surely is thinking about what it's going to be like as Jesus gets older. And Mary's got ideas too about what what it's going to be like for Jesus as he grows up and ages. Mary and Joseph have this idea of who Jesus will be. And don't we? Don't we? Not just parents of children thinking about how our children will be, but even children here today. You who are Jesus' age in this story, 12 years old, parents, singles, people who have followed Jesus for their whole life, and and people who have just learned who this Jesus guy is recently. We all kind of have an idea about who Jesus is, don't we? About what it's going to look like to follow him, what that's going to mean Maybe you thought of that when you said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. When you said, yes, I want to confirm my faith in Jesus. I would rather die than give up my faith in Jesus. Maybe you had an idea, even a small one, what that was going to be like to follow him. Or maybe you haven't thought about it. Maybe you've kind of just inherited the the practice of coming to church or this faith and And so, it's Sunday, and so we're here, right? And this is where I go on Sundays. It's just what I do. But even then, subconsciously, there's some idea going on about what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe we imagined that it meant life would be chock full of blessing, kind of a continual ascent from the ups and the ups of life with, with Jesus you know, giving us good fortune and good friends to surround us with, giving us prosperity in our work and in our homes. Maybe it would be one spiritual high after another. Maybe we thought that's what following Jesus would be like. Or maybe we imagined that there would be at least this kind of shroud of protection from God, right? You read it in Psalm 127 that God was going to keep me secure, Others may be struggled, and others may be suffered, but but he would keep me strong, secure, and that I wouldn't really have to face too much trouble in my life. I mean, maybe if I was a Christian overseas, like maybe then I would face persecution or tribulation. But not not here, not in my life. Not following Jesus. Maybe you thought it would be all kind of Easy. But then, as is inevitable, if we're following Jesus, He's going to confuse us. He's going to confound us. We're going to be astonished at Him, maybe even distressed about Him, like Mary. In some way, we might feel let down by Jesus. You know, He let that thing happen, that that thing we just couldn't believe He would that loved one who we prayed for over and over and over again, and yet she still succumbed to that disease, to her cancer, or that that job that we traveled cross-country for. Of course, after praying for God's will, we prayed to Him for His will to be done. And so then we came, we thought it was his will, but now it's just been strife and difficulty and things aren't really panning out and it's like, God, why? Why did you bring me here? Why have you put me in this place? And we get kind of squeezed and pushed around until we, until we finally just voice our cries and we say, Jesus, why? Why have you treated us so? Why have you treated me this way. Or maybe we haven't quite found those words, but we have still felt it subconsciously, a kind of hostility towards God, where we find ourselves right next to Mary, feeling confused, hurt. Jesus, why have you treated us so? Well, Jesus answers, albeit a bit confusingly. He says, were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now, what's all this about? I mean, is Jesus, I mean, is he giving lip to his mom? Is he being snarky here? I mean, they've been running around looking for Jesus. Why were you looking for me? Jesus, you stayed back in Jerusalem. The whole family up and left. We were headed home. And, and just to put you at ease when it comes to Mary, Mary is not some sort of, you know, total airhead mom. That's how what's going on here. This is a different culture, a different time. And people often traveled in groups. And so uh, we, we heard that they were with their acquaintances and relatives. Uh, people would travel in packs for safety. And so there wasn't quite the oversight that we often have for our kids now, but there was kind of a communal oversight. They were much more community-oriented of a people. And so they had traveled and realized that Jesus was gone, and they they came back to find him, and Jesus answers, why were you looking for me? It's odd. It doesn't, it feels like it doesn't hit, like it's, it's on another level. And that's what Jesus is doing. He is speaking on another level. He's not being snarky to his mom, and he's He's not trying to play dumb with his mom. We know that he's not dumb. He just held up for three days straight with the smartest people in the Jewish world, a 12-year-old boy. But Jesus, he's he's being completely genuine here. He's just speaking on a level that Mary doesn't quite get. And there's a little Greek word, actually, that tips us off to this. It's found in the text. of this word day. This Greek word day, it means it is necessary. It is necessary. It's this word that pops up again and again in the Gospels when Jesus talks about this plan, this plan of salvation that God has that no one else seems to understand. This word shows up in all those passion references that Jesus speaks to his disciples about his upcoming death and they, they, they're just confused. They don't get it. They don't ask Jesus, they just kind of shake their heads. It is necessary. There's a bigger plan, a bigger picture that God sees. That Mary and Joseph, they they don't have the vision for, they don't see it. It hasn't been revealed to them. But it is necessary. And Jesus sees it. It's been revealed to him, and so he honors his Father his true father. He, he's up to the work that the father, the father has given him. I must be in my father's house. But they didn't understand. They didn't understand that it was necessary for Jesus to be at the temple. He was honoring the father, but Mary and Joseph didn't really see it that way, right? Mary rebukes Jesus. Jesus. She's frustrated with him, and she she says to him, Son, why have you treated us so? We've been looking all over for you. How could you have done this to your father and I? See that in the text, she says, your father and I. This time, Jesus, of all the times, your father has been taking you around. He's been training you, showing you what it means to be a part of our family. How could you do this to your father why aren't you honoring your father and Jesus? He turns around and he rebukes Mary. He says, Mary, I, ha- I have. I have been honoring my father. He's the one that I have to obey. He's the one that tells me what to do. I actually don't have to obey you, Mary. I'm actually older than you. He's the only kid in history who could ever say that to his parents. So don't don't be snarky to your parents later and say that. Jesus could say it. He was older than them. He didn't have to obey Mary and Joseph. There was a bigger plan and a bigger picture at work. And so Jesus here, he's claiming authority even over his own parents. And in that culture, I mean, that's way out of bounds. But Jesus has that authority Jesus calls the shots. Jesus chooses, and Jesus knows what he's doing. But it's not easy. It's not easy, and Mary and Joseph, they're just blown away by it. They can hardly take it in, and they're confused. So why follow Jesus at all? I mean, why are you following him? He just confuses us and confounds us. He calls the shots. We don't get to choose them. And half the time, we don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. Well, it's what happens in that next verse that gives us all the reason we should need to follow Jesus. It said in verse 51, Jesus went down with his parents and he came to Nazareth and he was submissive to them. And what does this show us? It shows us that Jesus is going to be completely faithful to us. He's going to be completely faithful and loyal to you. Jesus goes down, not because he has to, but out of his own choice. He chooses to go down and be submissive, be faithful to his parents. Even when the circumstances seem otherwise, like that time on the boat. Uh, do you remember Jesus on the boat with his disciples? It pops up in Luke chapter 8. Uh, the dece- disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee, and it was Jesus' idea, by the way, to get into the boat. But all the disciples hop in, and they're crossing the sea, and pretty soon the waves are piling up, and the winds are just screaming, and the disciples are like, where is Jesus? Where is he? Where is he? And he's sleeping. And the, the disciples are, Jesus, what, why are you treating us? Like, I mean, don't you care that we are perishing? And Jesus says so calmly, where is your faith? Where is your faith? You know me. He says, you know me, guys. You, you know me enough to know that you can handle these storms that come your way. You know who's with you. You know what my hands can do, what power I have. He says, you know this. You're not thinking rationally. Remember who I am. Remember who you have. He says, you're thinking that that if I loved you, you wouldn't go through anything like this. But I do love you. And so that premise is a false one, that you're not going to experience hardship because i do love you you know that jesus loves you and you know it because of his obedience because of his obedience jesus ends up going back down with his parents to nazareth because he chooses to he he submits to them because he loves them but his, it was his obedience to his true father that made all the difference that Jesus was willing to do what was necessary. It was necessary for me to be in my father's house, or as another translation puts it, it was necessary for me to be about my father's business. My father's business. Which makes you wonder, when Jesus was getting that tour of Jerusalem, when, when, when Joseph was telling him, about who he was going to be, well, maybe his father was giving him a two or two. Maybe his true father was sharing with him what it was going to be and mean to become a man. Joseph leading him to the temple, and God the Father says, no, Jesus, you, you are the temple, and I'm going to make that place obsolete. And Jesus is walking around the streets, and his father says to him, Jesus, you're going to walk around these streets again with a cross on your back. And when Joseph points to the Passover lamb, his father says, Jesus, you are going to be the Passover lamb. This is who you are. Can you imagine Jesus' reaction to God's plan? But Jesus would commit himself to all that the Father had shown him because Jesus is totally committed to serving those whom he loves and who love him, even those who he confuses, his parents, us. So when you go through a storm, don't say, God, why? Why are you letting me go through this storm? Instead, say, Jesus, Jesus, you went and bowed your head through a storm infinitely worse than this one. You bowed your head to the storm of divine justice, and you didn't abandon me there. You didn't abandon me in that storm, so there is no way you're going to abandon me in this storm. I don't know why you're letting me go through it, but I know that you're committed to me like you were to your parents, totally committed, committed to the death. Remember that, and then remember what Mary did. You notice Mary at the end, she didn't, she didn't just stay in her frustrations. <laughs> she didn't just kind of stay constantly annoyed by Jesus and the situation that he caused. No, it's, it's said that Mary treasured all these things in her heart, like she did when Jesus was born. Mary didn't just say, well, I, I don't know, I guess I just have to suffer through this and put on a stoic face. No, she treasured it up. She thought of Jesus and what it meant. He thought of what He was going to do and wondered what He would do, but you know what He's done for you. Treasure that. Treasure that in your heart and, and He will grow in your favor and in grace. And He will actually... He will end up duplicating himself in you. He will will make you conform to his image so that you too will grow in wisdom and in favor with God. Merry Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us is with you. Amen.